From the Tulsa World, this is the OU Sports Extra Podcast, sponsored by Albert G's Barbecue. Here are your hosts, Eric Bailey and Mason Young. Hi, everyone. Eric and Mason Young here again with another week with our podcast with a special guest, Justin Spears from Tucson. Uh, Justin, you cover Arizona. Welcome aboard. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Excited to be here. Now, Oklahoma and Arizona, of course, playing in the Alamo Bowl on December the 28th, 8 o'clock kick or 8.20, I think, is the official kick time I saw. So it's going to be a late night, late Thursday night game. We're looking forward to it. Oklahoma was there, of course, two years ago uh, in, uh, well, when Grant Venables was on the sideline and Bob Stoops was coaching the game against Oregon. Now they're back again. Mason, uh, we're looking forward to the coverage. Justin, just tell us a little bit about Arizona, and if you don't mind, just the excitement surrounding that football program entering this game. Yeah, so Arizona comes into this matchup 9-3, and and for a lot of Oklahoma fans listening to that, 9-3 and is the norm for the Sooners, but for the Arizona Wildcats, 9-3 and is a pretty remarkable season, and when you think about where the program was at just two years ago, Going nine and three is pretty miraculous when you think about it because Jetfish, when he was first hired, he took over a program that was essentially ripped down to the studs by the previous regime in Kevin Sumlin, which Oklahoma fans are very familiar with. He was a great assistant under Bob Stoops, um, was a great head coach at Texas A&M, and then came to Arizona and pretty much put the program into rock bottom. And Jetfish took over the program. And he didn't have anything to work with. The cupboards were pretty empty. And the 2021 season, his first year, that was pretty much him establishing himself. He refers to it as year zero. He was just inheriting the previous regime's roster. They went 1-11 that year. And they were in the middle of a 20-game losing streak. And the only reason why they won one game in that first season was because Cal, the team they beat, half their team was gone because of COVID. They were missing their starting quarterback and all sorts of starters, and Arizona pulled out a 10-3 to very ugly win. They go 1-11. Then the next year, they go into the transfer portal and get Jaden Delora, Jacob Cowing, all sorts of great transfers. They also add in Teta Aroa McMillan, Jonas Avianeo, who's their starting right tackle, uh, their running back, Jonah Coleman. Uh, that 2022 recruiting class from top to bottom, when you look at that group, they're really making a big impact for Arizona this year. And, and then in 2023, this past recruiting class, the Wildcats went from, okay, now we got everyone on the offensive side of the ball. Now it's time to restore that defense. And they got a bunch of defensive line prospects, a lot of size up front, guys who are not really showing up in the box score but they're plugging up gaps and they're filling the lanes and allowing Arizona's linebackers and safeties to come downhill and make plays at the line of scrimmage. You know, in 2022, Arizona was the eighth worst rushing defense in all of college football. Now, when you look at them, they're one of the top teams in the Pac-12 and they're one of the top teams nationally. Uh, They went from one of the worst defenses, period, to a top 30 defense in college football. So, that side of the ball really has really made a big turnaround this year. And you look at the offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball, it's all coming together in year three under Jed Fish. And that's why you see the Wildcats nine and three 
uh, going into this matchup. And then I didn't even mention the spark that they received on offense this year with quarterback Noah Fafita. You know, Jaden Delora went down with an injury in the Pac-12 opener at Stanford. And Noah Fafita, who was very under-recruited coming out of high school, uh, he steps in and has played like one of the top quarterbacks in the country. And the Wildcats are rolling right now. Justin, how would you kind of describe Fafita's game for anybody that hasn't watched him? It seems like putting up a ton of yards, a ton of points every week, and uh, was named Pac-12, I think, co-offensive or offensive freshman of the year, right? Just yeah. what has it been like to see his development so far? You know, I've always heard great things about Noel Fafita uh, when he was coming out of Servite High School in Anaheim, and they were winning games. And I believe at one point they were nationally ranked. And when you are nationally ranked and you're winning games in the Trinity League, you know you're playing some good football. And Noel Fafita was the leader of that Anaheim Servite team in that program. And then when he got to Arizona, you know, he even though he was still a, a good quarterback coming out of high school, he still needed to get accustomed to the college speed, the college pace. And he sat behind Jaden Delora for a season, and it was looking like he was going to sit back another year and be the understudy for uh, for Jaden this year. But then Jaden Delora didn't really make the progress that we all thought he would. And I'm not saying that Jaden Delora is a bad quarterback, but there was too many times this year when he was the, the starting quarterback at the start of the year where the offense stalled out and wasn't moving. And the defense actually came to the rescue a lot of times. Like they had five turnovers against Mississippi State. I know Mississippi State's not a good team this year, but they had five turnovers in that game against the Bulldogs in Starkville. When you got all those cowbells rattling, it's, it's in SEC country. You guys are about to get familiar with that here very soon. You know, it's a very tough place to play. And despite having five turnovers in that game, Arizona was right there and they lost in overtime in Starkville. A big reason why was because the defense was able to hold off the Bulldogs. Jaden Delora played better in that game and started utilizing his legs more. Yeah, uh, but the turnovers and just not really making his reads. And, you know, then that, when you look back at that Stanford game, there were way too many times where Jaden Delora would just drift back in the pocket and just keep drifting and drifting and drifting. And even Jet Fish said that he was never taught that. So Jaden Delora struggled. He's still a good quarterback. But Noah Fafita stepped in, and the ball gets out of his hands quick. And even though he isn't maybe the, as good of a runner as Jaden, he knows when to use his legs and picks his spots when to use it and is very smart with the football. And the, another thing that really impresses me the most about Noah is, you know, people knock him for his size, but he knows how to play with his size because he's been small his entire life. And he's always been playing against kids who are bigger than him. So he's always had to maneuver and do things that a small quarterback would do in order to perform at a high level. In the way that sometimes he's able to bend his arms and be slithery in the pocket, it's very impressive. And, you know, there were a lot of times this year where Arizona had their backs up against the wall, but Noel Fafita was always poised and cool and always seemed to make the right play when it mattered most. So, this guy's a very professional quarterback. Uh, Arizona's got a good one. And as long as, you know, him and Jed Fish are together, I, I think the Wildcats are going to be pretty good over the next couple of years.
Let's switch gears and ask you a little bit, Justin, about some of the skill players on this team. Uh, of course, Jacob Cowing, you mentioned him a second ago with what he's done this year, being really producing touchdowns for Arizona. But I also want to ask you about, and I, I don't, I'm going to butcher his name, so I'll just say McMillan. Is it Tete or How do you say it? Yeah, Tetayaroa McMillan, but okay. around here we just call him T Mac. Okay, T Mac. Hey, that I, yeah, I'll go with T Mac. Yeah. <laughs> Had the big game against Arizona State. And then I want to ask you about the run game, too. Just Jonah Coleman and what he does for this offense as a young player. Uh, and and uh, if you can talk about those three players a little bit, too, to give Oklahoma fans an idea of what some of the skill players around Noah are like. PMAC is an interesting player because people forget he was a, essentially a five-star prospect coming out of high school. You know, one of the top wide receivers in the country – and then he went to Arizona, and then people just kind of forgot about him. You know, I remember hearing Lewis Riddick on the broadcast for the Arizona-Arizona State game, and the one thing that really jumped out to me, what he said was, this is the best receiver you don't know about. And I'm like, I don't – people know about T-Mac, they just forgot about it because he didn't go to Oregon. He didn't go to the high-profile school on the West Coast. He followed his buddies down to Arizona. And then in his first year, put together some pretty impressive numbers, but it wasn't anything that was really jumping off the page. And going into this year, he wasn't included on the preseason Belitnikoff Award watch list, which I thought was a crime because, let's be real here, T-Mac is one of the top 50 wide receivers in college football. There's no doubt about that. And then, sure enough, this year, he goes off, and I think right now he's number eight in college football in receiving yards and has 10 touchdowns you know if he gets a couple more that's going to set a single season record for a wide receiver he's got the fourth most receiving yards in a single season by an Arizona wide receiver so he's got incredible incredible game but the one thing that's different about him this year compared to last year is that his arsenal has opened up he's not a possession wide receiver his first year because he's so big and tall and athletic he uh, used to play volleyball back in his high school days and was, I think, an all-region volleyball player at Servite. So this kid's super athletic, but he was only used really in sideline situation. If if you're in the red zone, you could throw it to the corner and he's going to go up and make a catch. But this year, he's really using his legs after the catch. Um, I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but his yards after catch this season – it's night and day different compared to his freshman year. So we're starting to see T-Mac really bud into an all-around wide receiver, and, and that's why you're starting to hear his name be in the conversation as a potential first-round pick for next year's draft, uh, which is pretty scary to think. You know, he's got a whole other year of college football left. And then uh, in regards to Jonah Coleman, Jonah was an, is another member of that 2022 recruiting class that has been such a workhorse uh, for the Wildcats this year. Michael Wiley, their original starter, has been the veteran presence in that running back room for the last several years now. But Wiley went down with an injury. You know, kind of, and it, it also happened in that that Stanford game, much like Jaden Delora's ankle injury. And when Wiley went down, Jonah Coleman was inserted into that starting running back role, and he's been so dominant. I mean, when you look at yards per carry after contact, when you go look at his pro football focus account, this guy is averaging 
nearly six yards per carry after contact. Like you want that just from your running back period, but this guy is doing it after contact. He's making contact with guys. He's making guys miss. And he's built like Maurice Jones drew. He's got these big thighs and he's very hard to take down and he's a little bit shorter. So he's got, you know, low center of gravity, but man, he is a handful and he's also very effective in the passing game too. And has been uh, a very good player to have uh, right there for Noah Fafita. If he just needs to make a check down or needs to make a screen. So the Wildcats are pretty set on offense. Uh, defense has also made a pretty big improvement. Like I said, and going back to that 2022 recruiting class, you know, you look at Ephesians, Prysock, Takario Davis, uh, Jacob Manu, who leads the Pac-12 in tackles this year. He's an all Pac-12 selection. That 2022 class from top to bottom is one of the best that the program has ever brought in. Well, you mentioned – You mentioned Manu there. What has it been like to see his development? Because I, I would say it's pretty impressive to be a sophomore and, and putting up over 100 tackles and leading the Pac-12 in that category. So what's it been like to kind of see his development uh, these two years that, that he's been part of the program? The last Arizona linebacker or Arizona player period to lead the conference in tackles, uh, he was an All-American. His name was uh, Scooby Wright in 2014. So Jacob Manu is in pretty good company there. Um, he's also the first Wildcat to have over 100 tackles since Colin Schooler in 2018. So he's putting up some impressive numbers. And, you know, the thing about him that's such a, a cool story is, you know, he was a part of that Anaheim Servite quartet that came to Arizona with T-Mac, who we just mentioned, Noel Fafita. They also have a tight end by the name of Kean Burnett, um, who gets – a lot of playing time. He's not the premier tight end like Tanner McLaughlin, um, who's another member of that 2022 recruiting class. Yeah, he was a transfer from Southern Utah, and he just set the single season uh, or no career receptions record for a tight end passing Rob Gronkowski uh, to end the season. I'm sure you guys have probably heard about Rob Gronkowski before, but um, going back to the Anaheim Quartet, you know, those guys were highly ranked you know, coming out of high school, it, you know, I'm talking about Kean Burnett and T-Mac, Noel Fafita and Jacob Manu were not. And it's so funny that Noel Fafita and Manu, those two guys didn't have all the re recruiting buzz like their other teammates did, but yet they're the leaders. They are the, the quarterbacks of both sides of the ball. Manu at that linebacker spot and Noel Fafita at quarterback. And Jacob Manu wasn't supposed supposed to really be a a playmaker early on but he impressed Arizona's coaches in practice playing on the scout team like he was given the offense all sorts of fits and Johnny Nansen kept hearing from the offensive coaches that Jacob Manu was just a menace in practice you got to give this guy a serious look and then in the second half of the season we started to see Jacob Manu just more and more and he was eventually installed into the starting lineup and then in the final game of the season he made two of the most important plays against ASU in Tucson uh, plays that didn't show up on the box score like a I think it was a sack fumble and then he also um, hit the arm of ASU quarterback Trent Borgay and the ball went up in the air and uh, Isaiah Taylor came down with the interception that that does not show up in the box score for Jacob Manu but he made the two most important plays 
of that game. And then this year, it seems like wherever the ball is, Jacob Manu is right there. Um, he's getting through the line of scrimmage and getting to the quarterback. He's second on the team in sacks. He is a, a, a guy who is all over the place. Um, he is the ultimate leader for Arizona. He's almost like their ringleader and the guy who's kind of at the center of it all because, you know, Johnny Nansen, Arizona's defensive coordinator, who I think should have been up for the Broyles award, uh, award trophy or list at the end of the year. He's done such a good job of changing up Arizona's defense, going from their base four two five defense, switching it up to their dollar package, which has three defensive linemen and seven defensive backs and one linebacker. No matter how Johnny Nansen changes up the defense, the common denominator always right there in the middle is Jacob Mono. So his development has been uh, one of the more positive stories for Arizona. And, and Arizona is very thankful because uh, they got him for at least another year. Justin, I've written a couple of times going into this bowl game that it, it's an opponent that Oklahoma should be ready for. Uh, I want to ask you, just what's the general feel around the Arizona program? I know it's been a while since they've been to a bowl game, I think 2017. Yep. What, what, do you, what, do you, what kind of vibe do you get from this Arizona team looking forward and playing in this postseason? And my opinion is Oklahoma better be prepared for a tough opponent ready to play in this game. But what, what do you feel? What's the vibe of Arizona football right now? they understand that this bowl game could really give them a springboard into next season because they're going into the big 12. So you're playing in the heart of big 12 country right there in San Antonio. You're playing against a team that is leaving that conference and Oklahoma is a brand name. You look at all the, the 10 win seasons that Oklahoma's had. I mean, just in the last 23 years, they got all sorts of them. In Arizona, they've only had two 10-win seasons in program history. Uh, they can make it three if they win the Alamo Bowl. So this is a brand name, and Arizona understands that if they can beat the Sooners in a bowl game, and then you're going into next year with most of your starters coming back and all your depth or most of your depth players coming back, and then you're also the number 14 team in the country with the college football playoff expanding next year to 12 teams you know the wildcats are going to be right there in that mix but i think a win over oklahoma will certainly set the tone for the offseason and i think it'll get arizona feeling pretty good about themselves going into next year overall though guys i think that the program is in a really good place arizona fans are really happy with things right now because hey arizona is a basketball school right you guys know that and for the program, the men's basketball program, to be one of the top teams in college basketball, and then your ultimate moneymaker, football, the sport that drives the revenue in your athletic department, for that to be among the best in college football, Wildcats fans down here in Tucson are very happy right now. One last question for you, Justin, and this is the about the man behind it all, Jed Fish. What is it about him, do you think, that he's been able to create such an impressive turnaround? And what does his contract situation look like? Is he somebody that's going to be in line for a big payday after putting together one of the best seasons in recent history? People, Arizona fans have already been talking about building Jet Fish a statue outside mm -hmm. of Arizona Stadium, which is, which is funny because they have one statue outside of the stadium. And it's uh, a guy by the name of John Button Salmon. He's the guy who 
dubbed the phrase uh, bear down, making it Arizona's rally cry when he got into a car accident. And he told, you know, before he passed away, he said, you know, tell the team, tell the team to bear down. And that's how bear down became a, a phrase for Arizona Wildcats. And I'm like, man, building a fish statue next to salmon. You got fish and salmon right next to each other. That, that'd be pretty interesting. But, you know, Arizona is uh, in a really good spot right now with Jed Fish as their head coach. He took a program that was, like I said, at the start of this interview, that it was it was down. It was gutted. It was at rock bottom. And he elevated it to a program that is contending at the national level. That is, to me, um, one of the most miraculous things to ever happen at the University of Arizona. And it's honestly, you know, kind of pretty interesting when you think about it because Lou Olson, when he took over this program, or when he took over the men's basketball program, they were one of the worst teams in college basketball. And then he made it into a national contender. Now it's up for Arizona to realize, hey, we got a pretty good thing with Jed Fish. We got to give this guy more money. We got to give him everything we possibly can to keep him happy and keep him here. Because if this guy is here, then this program is going to continue to go to great heights. Now, his contract situation right now, I think that he will get an extension between now and the bowl game or maybe after that. Um, I'm not sure, you know, what the issue is or, or what's going on, but there are, there have been conversations about Jed Fish getting a contract extension and also increasing the salary pool for his assistant coaches because he wants to be able to keep all of his assistants here have done such a great job of coaching and recruiting and developing these guys. Uh, it's just up to Arizona right now if they want to, you know, pay up and give Jed Fish that contract. I think, though, with next year's team in line, I think that Arizona, they do have some time. Uh, and I don't think Jed Fish is going anywhere, really. I, I, I think the biggest threat right now for Arizona is probably the NFL. You have jobs opening up, and Jed Fish coached in the NFL for 14 years, has developed many connections across the NFL, like the New England Patriots and the L.A. Rams and all these other franchises. So maybe the NFL looks at Jed Fish and gives him an opportunity. But there are not many college jobs open right now that Jed Fish would take. So college, I think Jed Fish or Arizona has at least another year. Their biggest threat right now is the NFL. But I think at the end of the day, Arizona and Jed Fish uh, will still be married for next year. And I think that'll be, um, you know, something good for the Wildcats and good for the program. All right. Well, Justin, we're really looking forward to meeting you in person down at San Antonio. Again, the game is December the 28th with an 820 kickoff from the Alamo Dome. Uh, Justin Spears is the Arizona beat writer for the Arizona Daily Star. Uh, Justin, can you just talk, tell everyone where they can find your work? Yeah, you can check out our coverage of the Wildcats on Tucson.com and uh, the Wildcaster mobile app. Uh, you can find me on Twitter slash X as well. And I'm also uh, host the, the radio show on ESPN Tucson. It's called Spears and Ali. And we also host a podcast called the Wildcats. So we, uh, we do a great job covering Arizona football, and that's where you can find all of our, all of our work. 
Justin, thanks so much for joining Mason and me again. We appreciate all the, the readers out there listening to our podcast and uh, joining us on TulsaWorld.com. Uh, everyone out there, have a good Christmas, and we'll see you next week.